you and also with you. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, King of kings and Lord of lords. We welcome you this morning to Marsh Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via our podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is Chloe McLaughlin, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Graduate Global Ministry Assistant here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warmest regards to all of you. Today we gather for the last Sunday after Pentecost, Christ the King Sunday, with our great, with our great guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman. Reverend Karen serves as the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry at Marsh Chapel. We gather today in, to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and on forever. Amen. And so in the church we pray again, fear not, we are called by God to be invested in each other's lives and loves for the long haul. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the, all the lands where I have driven them and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. 
The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have his first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me in reading responsively verses from the Canticle of Zechariah with the Antiphon. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably, uh, favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. 
glory to you, O Lord. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
We seek to truly see each other as beloved children of God. Our calling is to empower our neighbors and ourselves to live hopeful lives and gratefully offer our own gifts for the glory of God. We are called to share our authentic selves with our neighbors in right relationship. The Reverend Joseph Wallace Williams. Please be seated. Who is your Jesus? Who is your Jesus? Today is the last Sunday of Pentecost, also known as Christ the King Sunday. I invite you to reflect on who has been your Jesus for the past church year. My Jesus is always ever-changing. My Jesus is not the same Jesus of my childhood or even a few years ago. Life experiences, prayer, and the study of scripture feed my Jesus roots and deepen them. The Jesus of my youth was church school Jesus. The Jesus of my teens was questioning Jesus in the world. The Jesus of my 20s was, I don't have time for Jesus. The Jesus of my 30s, globalized Jesus, forgiving Jesus, sustaining Jesus, life-changing Jesus. The Jesus of my 40s, womanish Jesus, radical Jesus. What has been your personal journey with Jesus? Except for my 20s, my Jesus has always been in tandem with other people's Jesus. Christ the King Sunday is a relatively new development. It does not have the history of many long-held church traditions, such as All Saints and All Souls. I once heard one of my clergy colleagues say that he glosses over this Sunday because it's too Catholic. I remember in seminary when our weekly, during one of our weekly Eucharists, when one of my classmates shoved the bulletin back in my hand stating she refused to participate in the liturgy with patriarchal language. Looking back, I think they missed the point. This Feast Sunday was brought into the church's liturgical year by Pope Pius XI in 1925 to advance the message of God and Christ over and against the political questions regarding papal territories and in response to growing secularism, nationalism, and anti-clericalism. Addressed to the hierarchy of the church, the document warns that, quote, as long as individuals and states refuse to submit to the rule of our savior, there would be no really hopeful prospect of a lasting peace among nations, end quote. While we may find the Pope's words archaic, our takeaway is, do we belong to Christ? or do we belong to the world? Pope Pius was moving into a world that was about to usher in the rule of Hitler and Mussolini, so his statements were bold and provocative. But those words and statements are very relevant for our life in the world today. 
The royal crowns rattle in the church's cupboard every election year. What's the reason for this fascination? Perhaps it's based on a lust for raw political power. Perhaps the unreserved endorsement of candidates who support faith-based initiatives stem from the anxiety that pervades our time and cultures. However, we are mostly uncomfortable with the notion of kingship. The notion of a king reflects on principles that America was not built upon. The notion of king also means big shoes to fill. My dear friend Carl, his name's been changed, belongs to a family long held to be, as quoted in the press, America's royalty. I was asking what it's, part, what it's like to be part of a family dy dynasty. He laughed and said, for the most part, people leave him alone, except for his public display of drunkenness over three decades ago and his admitted botched and ill-fated attempt at a career change. He says, I'm pretty unrecognizable in public. I am able to be left alone to do the work of trying to leave the world a better place than I found it. I have my family, my faith, my humility, and my gratitude, and it has taken me a lot of years and a lot of life experiences to work that out. Our readings on this Christ the King Sunday challenge us to examine our priorities and to see who or what holds our allegiance. As I see it, there are two ways of looking at this kingship, the king of our outward being and appearances and the king of our inward hearts. If we belong to the Christ King of the world, our outward being is the one who nods and pays lip service to issues of injustice and oppression of the other in any form, just to name a few. You know the people who are on the committees or involved in activities that make them feel better, but not willing to do the deep, internal, radical welcoming and restorative justice work that will bring about systemic change internally and externally in their lives. But the Christ King that occupies a place in our hearts is about servant leadership. It doesn't matter if their names are on the committee. Their work is one of getting to know each other better, being an ally, and all that involves for deep systemic and personal change. Because when you are an ally, when you support, when you feel, when you are able to get out of the way of your ego, then the deep work of empathy, change, and restorative justice can take place. If we belong to the Christ King of our hearts, we also forgive. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we can do. As my friend Donnie was famous for saying, God forgives you immediately, but it takes me a while. 
in her reflection piece for Parabola magazine entitled Forgiving the Art of Mercy, the author and speaker, Mirabai Starr, begins with a litany of I'm sorry's. I'm sorry that I broke your heart, that I was too demanding for your approval. I'm sorry I was so quiet. I'm sorry I interrupted, I interpreted your rejection as rejection rather than as the cry for love that it really was. And then she moves into her forgivings. I forgive you. I forgive you for talking about me behind my back. I forgive you for not seeing me. I forgive you for being blind to your own shadow, for your participation in institutionalized racism, misogyny, heteronormativity. I forgive you for the slave trade, for sex trafficking, for treating garbage collectors like garbage. I forgive you for putting profits ahead of people, technology ahead of clean air and water, head ahead of heart. Forgiving you was the best thing I ever did. Forgiving you set the bird of my heart winging through the universe. So here we are in the last week of the Christian year, where we are about to enter into the midst of a turkey coma and a secular world that tells us what we need to make us feel better. Can we make room for the sole source of divine power and reign, Jesus Christ? So once again, in the midst of all of this, I'll ask the question again, who? is your Jesus. Centuries before Jesus, the prophet Jeremiah addressed the issue of kingly power as he strongly denounced the leaders of Judah for abusing their authority. Jeremiah looks toward the future where the followers, where the followers will be brought back into the fold, a place where they will be guided and protected by a loving God. The reading from Colossians was written in response to a dispute within the community. The questions that they raised was, what exactly was accomplished by Jesus? In today's gospel, we are told that two criminals were crucified with Jesus. The first man mocks Jesus saying, if you are the Messiah, then save yourself. He was interested in his own well-being and reflected the attitude of those who follow Jesus for what they hope to gain. The second man had a very different attitude, what had been described as being the gospel within the gospel. The man recognized his own sin and the innocence of Jesus. We are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turned to Jesus with a profession of faith as he asked that Jesus remember him in his kingdom. Jesus answered with an assurance of forgiveness and eternal life. Truly I tell you, 
Today, you will be with me in paradise. Here, salvation was extended, first of all, to a repentant criminal who would now share eternal life with the Lord. Where are we in our lives in terms of our capacity for forgiveness? In an article from the New Yorker entitled The Afghan Way of Death, Upended Peace Talks, Civilian College Shilties Keep Climbing, Afghans Are Suffering More Than Ever, dated from October 28th. It tells the stories of a suffering people but one story stood out for me, and that was the story of Jamila Afghani, a promoter of gender equality. She tells the story of seven-year-old Ahmad and eight-year-old Shah Aga, who were born in a rural part of Gansi province. Their father, Noor Aga, was a farmer. After the night raids intensified in his village, he decided to move his family to the city. This required abandoning his land and his livelihood, which plunged the family into deep poverty. The father arranged for his sister to be married to obtain a bride price. Ahmad and Sha'aga made the wedding invitations and accompanied Noor Aga when he delivered their work to the groom's family who lived in another neighborhood. According to Afghani, police officers in the area identifying a strange vehicle opened fire without warning. Noraga was killed and Ahmed sustained a glacing wound to his face. When Noraga's father heard the news, he had a heart attack and died. The money from the marriage was spent on funerals and medical bills. Afghani said Ahmed and Shaga moved in with their grandmother and Afghani paid to send them to a private school which had just been bombed and the boys had been wounded by shrapnel. Afghani was in tears when she finished telling the story, why are you killing us? She wailed at a conference she was attending. One of the other participants told his story of being tortured and said to the gathered group, I am willing to forgive you for what you have done to me and the rest of society, but that Forgiveness must have meaning. The meaning of forgiveness lies in your heart, not in the world. Are we not called to love and to love abundantly? Next week, we begin the season of Advent, a season to once again look and reflect on who is your Jesus, a season of God's love for us, a season that is marked by an expected anticipation. 
we will be reminded of the anticipation and fear of a teenage unwed mother-to-be. We will be reminded of the light of Christ's birth that will shine upon all of us without exception. We will take these shorter winter days to be in reflection, contemplation, and exploration of the one who loves us beyond all measure, the one who forgave and was gracious even unto death. After service today, we will be making Advent wreaths. I started making Advent wreaths with the youth group when I was serving at Christ Episcopal Church in Needham. It was a wonderful time of organized chaos, but it is also a time of narrowing down and focusing in. I invite you to take the coming week to prepare for Advent, much like you would prepare for Lent. Find time for yourself. If you have an Advent wreath, put it out early or reflect on the wreath that you made today. Water it with intention and prayer. We have come full circle in our church year and are at the end of this journey and ready to move on to the next. Who is the Jesus that you take with you into the next church year? Jesus, the living God, the living King, is found right here and right now in the midst of us, in the midst of our secular and over-commercialized world, in the midst of canned Christmas music at every store that you were enter into now until Christmas. This is all good news that we celebrate here today. Jesus is king throughout the year, throughout all time, and in every place. There's an expression about turning your will and your life over to the care of God as you understood God, and sometimes the following statement is tacked on. There is a God, and I'm not it. In the coming weeks, remember, we don't need to seek another king. We no longer have to judge one another. We don't have to control what other people think and feel or force them to fit our expectations. What happens is that in this controlled, fulfilled society, we find power. We find the kingdom of God when we let go when we realize that the kingdom of God is here and now here in our hearts, here in our community, both physically at Marsh and elsewhere in the communities that we inhabit. This is a liberating idea. So, who is your Jesus? Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God.
please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion reel as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Please join me in praying the thanksgiving for the life of the church. Respond after each verse with, we give you thanks. We give you thanks and praise, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have welcomed us at your table. We give you thanks. For the joy of worship with brothers and sisters, we give you thanks. For the word proclaimed and heard anew week by week, we give you thanks for hearing our prayers on behalf of the world, for those we love and our own needs, we give you thanks. For accepting our gifts and making them part of your eternal offering to the Father, we give you thanks. For giving us a place within the all-filled hymn of all creation, we give you thanks. For the regular remembrance of your passion, death, and resurrection, we give you thanks. For the outward signs of inward grace you so freely give into our hands, we give you thanks. For the peace that passes understanding and the joy of service, we give you thanks. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen.
The peace of the Lord is always with you. And also with you. My name is Victoria Hart Gaskell, and I serve as Minister for Visitation here at Marsh Chapel. Again, welcome to this last Sunday of the Christian Church's year. We ask that you help us to get to know you better and help you to get to know one another better by filling out the information sheet in the red folders found at the end of the pews on the center aisle. Pass them along the aisle and then pass them back so you can see with whom you are sitting and greet them after the service. Today, after worship, a number of interests can be satisfied. Please join us downstairs for our weekly coffee hour in the Marsh Room. Also downstairs, our weekly Bible study meets in the Dean's study with focus on the book of Hebrews. Abolitionist Chapel Today's monthly meeting is downstairs in the Thurman Room, part of the worldwide resistance to human trafficking and modern-day slavery. In preparation for the Advent season that does begin next Sunday, and that begins the new church year, the Advent wreath-making gathering takes place. A $20 donation is suggested to benefit the Brookline Food Pantry. Those of you who have already registered will meet in the Marsh Room. I have seen a sample made by our own Marsh associate, T.J. Bergeron, and it is lovely and it smells very nice also. So if you haven't registered already, there is still room and you too can see Heidi in the Marsh Room downstairs. The orange insert in your bulletin is Abolitionist Chapel Today's annual holiday shopping guide as part of the resistance to human trafficking and modern-day slavery. You can also find the guide on our website, bu.edu chapel. Beginning on Wednesday of this week, the chapel offices and the whole university will be closed through next Sunday. Our regular weekly programming will resume on Monday, December 1st. In a brief preview for the beginning of Advent, we have our monthly service of communion and healing prayer and our monthly past dish luncheon on Sunday, December 1st. Friday, December 6th, brings us the 46th annual university service of lessons and carols. On Sunday, December 8th, this same service of lessons and carols shapes our worship. Our blue Christmas service, also on December 8th in the afternoon, invites us to bring the challenges we face during the holidays to God for solace and hope. You can find all this information and more on our website, bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for our tithes, gifts, and offerings, we invite you to meditate on the choir's offering, Tchaikovsky's Cherubic Hymn in F Major. The transliteration and translation of the Russian text is found in the bulletin. The bulletin for every Sunday service is also found on our website, in the bulletin archive, well ahead of our Eastern Standard broadcast time of 11 a.m. So now, beloved, walk in love as Christ loved us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Oh God, we lift up our praise and our great gratitude to you today. We are thankful for the gifts and the family and the friends around us in this season of Thanksgiving. And we offer a portion of these gifts and ourselves back to you this morning as an outpouring of our abundant gratefulness. In the name of Christ our King, amen.
And now may the courage of the early morning dawning and the strength of the eternal hills at noontime and the peace of open spaces at evening's ending and the love of God abide in your hearts now and forever. Amen.